AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at Walgreens. And welcome to episode 249, where at the end of this, Eddie, Mike D, and I will review the movie Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. It's an old movie, but it's a music movie. I had never seen it. I thought it'd be funny. So if you haven't seen the movie, you still might like listen to the review because we're, we're kind of dumb. But if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, maybe go watch it, then come back to the end of this podcast. But we're going to put it at the end in case. There are spoilers in there too, right, Mike? Yeah, like, a little bit. But that's not a movie. It doesn't matter if it's spoiled. It's not like some crazy ending. Yeah, there's nothing you can really spoil it. Yeah, so check that out. Check the movie out. Um, also, we'll talk to Billy Dukes coming up from Taste of Country on the top 10 hottest artists of 2020. Kind of go through that. Billy Dukes is a smart guy. Like him. Had him on. Talk about that. Uh, music headlines of the week. Live Nation is trying to get artists to take pay cuts for concerts and festivals next year. In a memo obtained by Rolling Stone, Live Nation cites unprecedented times and, quote, the exponential release, excuse me, the exponential rise of certain costs as reasons for adjusting payment policies. That's interesting because they're going to have to pay a lot more to make the make sure things are safe and clean, yeah. Then they thought they would. Let me read more about this. Most of the new policies shift financial burdens to the artists. For example, the company wants to decrease the monetary guarantees promised to artists before an event, twenty percent across the board. Live Nation also says that if a concert is canceled due to poor ticket sales, it will give the artist twenty five percent of the guarantee. Well, that's interesting. And I think I'll speak on this as also a performer. I work with these promotion companies, promoters, all different ones. I think as long as books are shown, people can make wise decisions about business they're doing together. And it's not that I don't trust Live Nation or an artist, but I would like to see if I'm someone that has, has agreed to a tour or agreed to you know three or four shows or even a mm-hmm. show, I want to see those costs and why I'm going to take mine down 20%. The 25% on the, on the cancellation is great for an artist. How so? They still get paid even yeah. if they don't sell tickets. Because people don't want to come, so there's twenty. They're, they're guaranteed twenty bucks. Um, they probably a lower act would be guaranteed about ten to fifteen thousand. Unless it's a baby act on a big tour, they're about five to five thousand to seventy five hundred. A lower act, ten thousand. Big acts are hundreds of thousands of dollars a night. Wow. So you're talking about that's a nice little little give there. But that's interesting. I never thought about the fact that it's going to cost more to put on shows. So I think as long as they show their books a little bit, I don't know why an artist would say no to that. True. Because everybody's going to lose some money here. Everybody. And no party, promoter, or artist should benefit and the other should suffer. You should kind of all be in this together in a way. Interesting. I'm going to think about that some more. Maybe I'll do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> that would be the most boring podcast ever. <laughs> Just open up a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the whole country is protesting, Rage Against the Machine is actually back on the charts. The band's self-titled debut album landed back on the Billboard 200. It reached number eight on the iTunes top album charts as well. Yeah. Do we have any Rage? I can pull some up. This is right in my gut from back in high school. More so than college. I guess it was like ninth and tenth grade. 
I would have someone send me a tape of the edge in Dallas. They'd hit record play and just tape like an hour and then flip the tape, tape an hour. And I'd get a lot of rage in that. Yeah, I was a big rage guy. But I didn't really know why. I just liked the sound. I didn't really know what they were protesting at the time. By the time I started to know, I started to get older and get in college, and they started to fall off a little bit and do their own things. But now I look back, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorites. What else do you have? All right, so we're limited in the rage music. <laughs> uh, Akon has secured a $6 billion contract to build Akon City, a futuristic cryptocurrency-themed city in Senegal. Along with having homes, malls, and a power plant, Akon City will have all the amenities the city needs, including schools and a police station. Pretty baller. Some people have buildings. He has a whole city. Yeah, it looks super futuristic. Does this ever actually happen, though? I don't know. The guy who did smack that now has a city. <laughs> and is he the king? Is he just... There's Emperor. King... Oh, yeah, what? Because if he's not, he's still who the city's named after. Yeah. And then if he does something really bad in his older life, like commits a bad crime, they have to change the name of it because they don't want to name the city after... Like, you're not seeing any Bill Cosby Elementary Schools still remaining in play. Not that he would do that, but I'm saying, you know... He, Commits fraud, Martha Stewart style. Do you have to change the name of the city? Uh, finally, dashboard confessional singer Chris Caraba suffered severe injuries in a motorcycle accident. Luckily, they weren't life-threatening, and he expects to make a full recovery. I was watching a video of him in the hospital bed. Did you see it? Yeah, it's sad looking. Yeah, it looks pretty terrible. Yeah. Motorcycles. Just never had the need to get on a, on a motorcycle. He's a motorcycle guy, though. He looks cool riding a motorcycle. Yeah, he lives in town. He lives here? Yeah. Oh. I saw I him at a show once. Oh, yeah. I've never seen him riding it. I just say, like, he, he's the kind of guy that will look cool riding a motorcycle. All the tattoos, like the good-looking face. If you have those two things, the tattoos and the face, he's pretty good to go. But he's, what happened to him? Do you know? I don't know. He, he, he had I, a car, a car hit him? I, I don't even think that he hit anybody. I think he just fell. Oh, rookie. Here's the one thing. I've never wrecked a motorcycle. I don't think I've ever been on one driving it, though. I never wrecked a motorcycle. Uh, let's talk about new music before we get into this. I'm just really, it's really weird about even building statues after people who are still alive. It's always a tricky thing because they do something that's not so good. They could, they, what do you do? Take the statue down? You want us to wait on your statue then? Yeah. Okay. I, I personally don't. But like, I wondered in my town, there's a sign that says Boyhood Home of Bobby Bones. Oh, yeah. If I do something bad and I go to jail, do they rip that down? I don't want that pressure. Uh, new music out today. We have five songs we want to share with you here. Hmm. I got like seven. Let me see what I put in my top five. At number five, Nikita Carmen, who's a fantastic new artist. She put out a new song called Better. Here's a clip of that. At number four, Josh Turner announced he's putting out a new country cover album. He released a cover of Country State of Mind featuring Chris Jansen. By the way, this is a Hank Jr. cover. At number three, I'm a top five, Gabby Barrett put out her record, that's called Goldmine. You can check out the whole record. Here's a song called Write It On My Heart. Rascal Flats put out a new song called How They Remember You. And here's a clip of the Rascal Flats new song. There it is. And the number one song this week, Garth Brooks has a new song called We Belong to Each Other. We belong to each other. We are sister and brother. Like Hawaiian Garth Brooks. <laughs> Those are your top five I recommend checking out. Uh, Eric Church teased he'd have new music earlier this week to his fan club. So there you go. New albums that aren't country. Black Eyed Peas have translation. Phoebe Bridgers. I don't know who that is. Do you? Yeah, she's an indie artist. Yeah, I figured you would. I figured yeah. that was why I was on the list. Punisher. 
Bob Dylan, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Michael Franti and Spearhead, Work Hard to Be Nice. Lamb of God has an album. Switchfoot has an album. Trapped. Remember Trapped? They had one song. Headstrong, it takes too long. Headstrong, headstrong. Remember that? Oh, yeah, there it is. That's a jam. They're a one-hit wonder like crazy, right? Yeah, that's the only song in here. I forgot about... I mean, I forgot about them. But, I mean, that was a pop song, too. Well, they have an album out. Trying to get that second hit. That all-elusive second hit. The Headstrong, too. No, that's what they should do. Headstrong again! <laughs> all right, let's get into this podcast. Uh, we'll talk about... With Billy Dukes, we'll talk about the big, biggest country music artist of the week, and then we review a music movie at the end of this. Thank you, guys. All right, on now is Billy Dukes from Taste of Country. And I was looking at this article, Billy, and I was going to come on and talk about it, but I thought, why not get you on since you're, you, you, you run the site and... Uh, help contribute to this article, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. I appreciate it. Um, it's a team effort, you know, it's the country team, but uh, I was the one who kind of headed it up. Yeah, because I was looking at it, and I thought it was an interesting article because, you know, there isn't a right answer. It's everybody kind of putting their opinion in. And I thought, well, there's nobody that listed as a writer, so we came to you. How does that work when you guys all collaborate? Do you guys get in a room? or I guess you can't get in a room now, though, with corona. Do you just send out emails or take a poll, or what's going on? We're big on Slack. <laughs> <laughs> kind of all day long. I mean, that's kind of how we work usually anyway. We have um, writers based in Texas and out in western Tennessee and um, until recently a writer in Buffalo. So we've always sort of worked via Slack and emails and occasionally we get on a conference call as well, but the modern way, I suppose. Well, these are country music's top 10 artists of 2020. Now, I may not agree with all of them with you, but I think it's fun to kind of talk through them. Uh, yeah. Number 10, you guys have Sam Hunt. So talk about Sam Hunt and why he made the list. Well, I mean, this really could have and, and might still be sort of a comeback year for Sam Hunt. I mean, it was a long time ago that he released Montevello and he had the new Southside album, which did debut at number one. Um, he had a big tour planned, and in some ways this, this whole year is kind of a theoretical year since all the tours got canceled, but he was looking to have a, a pretty good tour with Kip Moore and, and Travis Denning that I think was going to sell a lot of concert tickets. Um, Hard to Forget, I think, is the big thing for Sam. I just think that's a monster of a song, and it, it's proven to be um, digitally. It sold a lot of copies, and it, it sounds really, really good on the radio. You know what's funny about Sam is I think he and probably Ashley McBride got screwed over the worst by Corona as far as it, it was time yeah. for them to put their stomp down. Sam again, because he'd been gone for so long, and Ashley really for the first time with the general public, like people actually... Uh, they're just country music sort of fans knowing who she is. I I felt like they both, right. if I were picking who got hurt the worst as far as breakout years, it would be Sam to re-break and then Ashley McBride uh, to really have her shot. It doesn't mean they're not going to break back anyway, but I felt right. like they were both really poised. Uh, number nine, you have Keith Urban. Yeah, Keith, I mean, I, I really kind of expected Keith to be higher going into this. I didn't realize that he hasn't really toured in America, anyway, and um, really since 2018, so that's certainly affected things. Uh, the Graffiti U album, I'm a big Keith Urban fan. I think his albums are fantastic, but it didn't really stick commercially like maybe some of his other ones have. The new music he's working on, though, I think is doing really well. Um, when God Whispered Your Name is one of my favorite songs of the year so far. We were a pretty big hit. And um, and then, of course, he's hosting the ACM, so I think that's going to lead to a, a really big fall into winter for Keith. Yeah, this song is my favorite Keith Urban song in a long time. I like yeah. like soft Keith Urban. That's my favorite Keith Urban when I can like poke mm-hmm. it and, and it feels soft and loving. That's my that's my favorite Keith. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm good with you. I like that, and I like when he gets pretty experimental as well, like the Pitbull collaboration from a couple albums ago. I, I, I could get down with that for a bit. My uh, guess is that the ACMs will not happen. So he, I, I think he'll end up hosting a thing like they're yeah. doing with CMA Fest now. Because with CMA Fest, the actual show, when they were going to have that, I was going to host it. It got ripped away because of, obviously, they're not having the festival at all. So now mm-hmm. there's a virtual thing where they're playing old episodes. Um, but ACMs are a live thing with a bunch of folks in a room. What is that supposed to happen in September, October, Billy? Do you remember? Uh, September 12th, 13th, somewhere in there, mid-September. I can't the see them getting... A thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people in a room at that point. Just, just guessing. Can you? I agree. 
No, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think they got to do something because they got to give out those trophies, don't they? <laughs> I think the trophy, you know, and it's a weird year to give trophies. I mean, with CMAs coming up yeah. in November, uh, we were talking on the show who's going to be, who would you consider for uh, Entertainer of the Year during 2020? And, you know, I would say Entertainer of the Year is never a award that has actual guidelines on it. It can be someone who right. tours or has hits or does things outside of, uh, of just music. And I think when you look at that, uh, Keith Urban, who was one of the first guys to go and play shows, doing these these drive-in shows for mm-hmm. first for the uh, you know frontline workers, I think Garth has to be considered at, at how he's put, he's not doing the live shows, but he's doing 300 drive-in theaters at once. He's you know done a couple mm-hmm. TV shows. So I think Entertainer of the Year, as we're talking about ACMs or CMAs, I think it's going to be looked at a bit different this year. When you hear that, who would you put in that list of Entertainer of the Year this year? Well, I, I would add artists like maybe Thomas Rhett and Luke Combs only because they've they've handled the digital element so well. Like they've consistently uh, released new songs on Instagram TV or uh, through YouTube in the case of Luke Combs, and they've kind of done that. Whereas, uh, well, Garth does digital pretty well too. But um, you know, it's sort of a new generation is the new version of the live show. Yeah. At number eight on the list, someone that I. I... I almost put in that Sam Hunt, Ashley McBride is, is Dan and Shea yeah. because it was, and I'm, you know, close to both those guys. They're like legitimate friends. And I know for them, they were finally playing arenas. This is two guys who were never supposed to make it according to everyone, who were to everything that wasn't country. They got together, started writing. We're always told no, no, no. And they have just hit so hard and they were finally headlining arenas. And I remember seeing Dan's message. I think they were outside of an arena going, we can't do it. We got to call it off. And they were just had hit such an apex and now uh, not able to go. But they're at number eight on your list. Yeah, and I'm with you. I I had Dan and Shea as the artist probably hit hardest by the coronavirus for those exact reasons. Um, I think that stadium or that arena tour was going to be huge. And I think we would have had more music from them by now. and they've been so consistent with the quality of songs these last few years. I think uh, they would have had some great new music from them from now to kind of drive that tour. But also huge on Spotify, and they got a ton of ACM nominations leading up into September. So I think they arguably would have been top five had we not had the, uh, the COVID-19 shutdown. Isn't it wild, too, to think that a lot of artists are holding off a bit on putting out music, but when things start to track back, which it could be next year before we really get back into, I mean, I think it's going to take a vaccine for people to just rip and roll. You know, you're going to see spots of people touring in some place. And there are some parts of the country where they've said, hey, and told me, hey, we can play shows at casinos. And for me, I don't feel comfortable playing shows right now um, at all. But some is going to, but I don't think it's all happening everywhere until there's a vaccine for for COVID, for Corona, whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, you're going to see everybody releasing new music at the same time. That's wild to think about. Yeah, this fall could be really nuts. Uh, and then leading into next year, my thought is that every artist, initially my thought was every artist is going to play one venue size down. So, like, it's going to be really hard to play stadiums. I know Kenny Chesney's going to try next year. But then if you're an arena artist, you're going to do maybe smaller arenas and then from there. Because uh, people, they're not going to be as eager to go to the shows. And I think getting people to allow shows in certain parts of the country, you're not going to be able to go into Southern California or New York or Boston or some of these major metropolitan areas because you're seeing COVID go up. And regardless of, of how you believe uh, people should handle it, you know, there are certain rules that some cities are just holding tight on. Um, you know, yeah. with I don't think, again, I don't think the ACMs are going to happen in Nashville. I don't have any inside knowledge. I'm on the board of the ACMs, but they, they don't tell us crap like that. But I can't see them putting right. 5,000 people in a room, though. Do you, I mean, for anything, can you? No. No, I can't. I know Nashville's opened back up, but I'm, I'm watching the number of cases every day, and I see them going up and up in Tennessee, and um, uh, it's a little scary. Jason Aldean's at 7. Talk about Jason. Jason is like the most consistent artist, really, of the last 10 years. I think he's probably been somewhere between uh, 3 and number 7 on this list uh, every year. This is the first year we've done it, but he would have been. Um, he continues to be one of the biggest live draws. He sells, I think, over sixteen to 17,000 tickets a show, and he plays a lot of shows. Um, Spotify, he's not a big streaming artist compared to like the Dan and Shays and the Marin Morrises of the world. Um, but we back and got what I got have both been solid songs. I don't think the nine album has produced maybe that sort of signature song in terms of a radio single quite yet. Um, but they've both been solid number one hits. And then of course he's kind of become viral with his wife, Brittany Eldine on Instagram. I mean, she makes him kind of a really fun celebrity to watch as well. You know, she actually makes him 
a bit relatable because you see yeah. the human side of Jason Aldean, who's kind of that country rocker with this image that you don't get to peek behind the curtain until mm-hmm. Brittany kind of came into the picture. Fun to watch, I think, on, on Instagram. I, I think they're they're cute. I don't know if we would have said Jason Aldean is cute to watch. <laughs> I don't know. I still would say that, but yeah, you're right. It does bring an extra element to Jason. That's funny. Uh, yeah. no, number six is Marin Morris on your list of the 2020 hottest uh, country artists. Yeah, and I really hate that Marin's the only female artist represented on this list. Um, Miranda, I think, could have arguably made the list pretty easily, um, but Marin is just huge on Spotify. She's a really successful artist streaming. Um, the Bones is. A much, much bigger song than I think anybody could have possibly imagined. It's held down number one, uh, I think, for like 15 weeks now. And she's also developed not only a really big touring artist in terms of like being able to sell tickets, she's really gotten good. I mean, you've probably seen her a number of times over the years like I have. And, you know, she kind of found her way on stage and she can kind of fill up some of those bigger stages. And she's just a, a great live performer nowadays. And the bones, I'll flip over sometimes on satellite, and I can hear Z100, or I can hear the uh, the pop station. And the bones is playing on pop radio too, which, you know, we haven't seen a lot of artists other than Dan and Shay and, and a little bit Sam crossover. Uh, I don't know if there's been a female. Has there been a female crossover really in the last five or six years? Um, Kelsey hasn't really. I mean, um, and she was on a Chainsmokers song, so you're right. I don't count Kelsey crossing over because she was on one of their songs. But yeah, Kelsey and Miranda hasn't. No, I mean, maybe if you if you wanted to count BB uh, Rexa because that song crossed over yeah. to country. Yeah, I don't know, I, but to country to pop. It's a, my point is good for Marin. Like she's doing it, and I think she's, yeah. you know, still achieving so much in a time where people are kind of chilling back. I think her having that baby was 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 awesome. The timing was you don't you never want a, a pandemic to happen, but right. if I were gonna have a baby, I'd have a baby in a pandemic when you're locked in the house the whole time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it worked out perfectly for her. <laughs> uh, Kane Brown's at number five. Yeah, I think Karen, uh, Kane and Marin are, are really pretty close. Um, Kane's got one more album that sort of sticks around on that album chart. Uh, Homesick is all over the radio. That song still sounds good, and it's, what, a year old, two years old? Yeah. Um, had a big tour this year, and, and he, he has all that crossover success. I mean, the Marshmallow song, John Legend song, and he's done a few more. He continues to prove he's, he's well on his way to becoming a, a, a legit, not only male artist of the year contender, but entertainer of the year contender in probably a few years. It's going to be weird to watch kind of the shift in entertainer of the year because in country music, the entertainers of the year don't go away. Meaning no. as they get older, they, they dig in and it's harder to move them out. It's not like people retire over here. You're not going to see Luke Bryan and Al Dean retire. But then you have the Kane Browns and the, the Luke Combs and the Thomas Retts. They're just almost too many superstars to have them all in that category, you know? Yeah, and Kane's kind of been snubbed from the awards, so who knows when he'll actually kind of get his shot. But uh, yeah, I see Luke and Luke Combs and, and Thomas Rett are both in the entertainer category for the ACMs. So that, that's kind of a dramatic shift, two newbies in out of five. Which rolls <laughs> us over to number four is Thomas Rett. Talk about TR. Yeah, be a light, man. That's going to be one of the songs of the year. It not only kind of defines this time, it's just a, a really great collaboration. And that came while Beer Can't Fix was nearing number one. Um, quietly, he's become a really huge live artist. He sold some 700,000 tickets last year. And I think that Entertainer of the Year nod really kind of gave him a leg up maybe on, on the Kane Browns of the world to get him number four on this list. Well, the ACMs are a bit more progressive. Uh, I know K- uh, Thomas won, Thomas Rhett won uh, Male Vocalist of the Year a couple years ago. And that was a big deal because that was the first time that someone had broken through in that category in a while. So uh, it's always interesting to watch the two award shows because the ACMs are a, a few years ahead or a bit guessy, and the CMAs are maybe a year or two behind at times when you see people like Dan and Shay miss and miss and then hit after they probably yeah. already should have hit. Yeah. Uh, Jason Aldean, I mean, kind of defined that for a while. He would win the ACM Entertainer of the Year, and he couldn't sniff a nomination. Yeah, that's a good point. With the CMAs. Uh, Blake Shelton, number thing. three. What do you got about Blake? Blake seems to be making a comeback of his own. I mean, he, he's never really left because he's been on The Voice uh, the whole time, but this God's Country sort of mini album. Uh, God's Country, obviously a great song. The Gwen Stefani duet was obviously huge, but uh, really some of his more memorable songs of the last five or ten years. Uh, my favorite story about Blake is that he retweeted a woman or replied to a woman on Twitter who had a book inspired by her late daughter, and then that book shot up to like top five on like three Amazon book charts. He's wow. just 
really, really influential. Well, then we get to number one and number two, and they're both Luke's. Now, I wonder, was this close at all or not? Yeah. I think we really debated between the two of them, and it's kind of back to like what you're talking about with regards to the Entertainer of the Years. You have sort of that old guard that sits in those top spots. Um, Luke Combs, I think analytically, if you looked at the numbers, is just a little stronger. His albums, I think, are in the top two or three every single week in terms of the charts. Um, every song he puts out is a hit and, and memorable, and he's become a great touring artist. Luke Bryan has American Idol. Uh, and probably draws more fans per show live. Um, so how do you choose between them? I think ultimately we kind of went with the numbers on this. We try to be analytical and objective, and that meant in some cases maybe leaning more into the numbers. Uh, so that's how we kind of ended up with Luke Combs at number one. So Luke Bryan's at number two, and I'm going to read some of what you wrote here, what was written. No one on this list sells more concert tickets than Luke Bryan. He's the stadium act with a strong foothold at country radio, even if his albums don't hold the same clout as some others before or after him. And again, I'm assuming you guys are adding in things like American Idol and, you know, just like Blake with the voice, like things sure. other than just uh, songs on the radio or songs that are streaming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that kind of adds to their overall heat, if you will. And number one, Luke Combs. Boy, I, I tell you, I haven't seen a guy. He's been, he has been the unicorn for me in my seven, eight years in town. Like, you know, Sam hit hard early and did what he did, but Sam was a reluctant star. Um, mm -hmm. Luke, I don't know, screams, hey, I knew I was going to be a star, wanted to be a star, but I haven't, he's just so undeniable all the time at everything he does. I've not seen anything like a Luke Combs uh, trajectory. Have you? No, especially in terms of how easy he makes it look. Like, all of his songs sound so easy, and I know they're not. They're well-written songs. Um, but he does have sort of that swagger. I talked to one of the writers of uh, Beer Never Broke My Heart, and he more or less admitted that Luke Combs knew it was going to be kind of a career song, song for him when they wrote it. And that was well before we ever heard it uh, on the radio. So he does sort of have this swagger about him. and No, it, but he still comes off as a really kind of humble, nice guy when you talk to him. And people that do it really well always make it look really easy. You know, uh, yeah. With Luke, you're like, man, he's writing songs. I feel that way. Man, it, it, it's so, how does he do that? It seems so easy. That's because he's so good. You know, I think Sam is a guy, too, who writes songs like that. Uh, obviously, Sam kind of checked out for a while. But Body Like a Backroad, if I had to hear one more person say, man, I could have written that song, then why don't you freaking write it? You can't write it. Because it just it sounds yeah. so easy. But how Sam writes is Sam will take four days on a song. He'll write a song for five or six hours and then come back into it days and days and days after. And it's the, it's the minutia of a song that, especially like a song like that, that really made it pop. I think Luke and Sam are, are a lot alike in that way. So who would have been your number one? Luke, the body bones I, I agree with most of everything you, you wrote. Maybe the, maybe the order is not the same, but I'd have put Luke Combs at one with Luke at two. The only person that I felt was honorable mention or maybe could have jumped in was... Someone who doesn't have the numbers but has so much momentum is Morgan Wallen. Like as far yeah. as far as like hits and momentum and like un undeniable, maybe just an honorable mention. Like that guy mm -hmm. is legit songwriter, singer, performer. Like he has the three things to be a country star, and he also has that real. You understand that who he five minutes with him or watching a clip, you know who Morgan Wallen is instantly. And it's not manufactured at all. So I don't know if he makes top 10. I think you guys did a great job on the list, which is why I wanted to get you on. But I think Morgan Wallen was the one that, for me, I was like, ooh, that's a close one. Yeah, I think early on we, we decided to fo kind of focus on arena headliners, which was a tough choice all on its own because there's so many kind of younger artists that just have a lot of what you would call heat. I mean, Ashley McBride certainly does and, and some others who are even newer. Morgan Wallen is, is certainly right there. I mean, he, he kind of checks all the boxes, and I think with another album or two, he's going to be a, a real headliner. All right, there he is, Billy Dukes from Taste of Country. Check out the site. Love the site. Read it constantly. Uh, on Twitter, at Billy Dukes. On Instagram, at Serious Journalist. Well, that's a real switch up in names, exactly. Billy. What, what, you, you don't want to grab Billy Dukes on Instagram? So I didn't become Instagram hip until kind of fairly recently. I had, like, my personal Instagram, which was just, like, family photos, and I finally decided I needed to get with it. And I think there was already a Billy Dukes on Instagram, so I, I used a, a hashtag that I often use on Twitter. And, well, I'm a serious journalist because 
often I'm not very serious. <laughs> Did you guys consider Chesney for this list? Because he's had some radio hits. Obviously, he's doing the big old yeah. tour. Did you consider him at all? Yeah, he was on our, our certainly one of the artists we talked about. I mean, I know he's got a big stadium tour, but, um, you know, the, the album and, and the songs aren't quite as iconic as they used to be. It debuted at number one. You could argue that was because a lot of those albums were attached to the, the concert tickets. Um, I'm not sure he's so much in the moment in 2020 as maybe some of the other artists. How are you feeling about artists that do that, where they go, okay, you, you're going to buy tickets to the show, you're going to get the, the record too, and we're going to count that record toward the, the, the first week record play. You think that's a, a, a tactic that they're using strategically in a good way, or it kind of sucks? If I was an artist, I might do it. I, I probably would do it, honestly. I mean, you want your music to get in fans' hands. Now, should uh, the chart keepers, the gatekeepers kind of allow that calculation? I don't know. I mean, it kind of writes itself. He was number one one week and then kind of fell off the charts the next week, so people kind of knew what had happened. Um, but, you know, you want to get your music out there, so that's, that's a fairly good way to do it. I don't have anything against him for doing it, I guess. I would say that it's great if you want to package it, but I don't think it should count on the chart against people who are l literally just streaming or buying the record. And then this is not toward Kenny in general. I've s and But again, you can do it. It's not against any rules, so I would do it too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying I yeah. don't like the rule that it's – if you, you're launching a, a tour, you have an advantage over someone coming out the same week that's just launching a record simply because they're not launching a tour. I think they do it too. Like if you have like a three or a four or five-disc box set coming out, don't you get credit for like five, uh, like five records sold if someone buys the whole box set? Like Garth was kind of the king of that for a long time. Yeah, and Garth uh, releases an awesome box set like every week. So it's like Garth, yeah. the 90s. Garth, well, okay, never mind. We have new stuff from 92 only. Garth, yeah, yeah. Um, well, listen, Billy, it's right. great to talk to you. Uh, everybody check out Taste of Country. It's a fantastic site if you love country music. Uh, have a Stay safe. Have a good week. We'll talk to you soon, Billy. All right, man. Really appreciate it. All right, see you later. Bye. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. So this is a music podcast. If you're listening on the Bobbycast and if you're listening on uh, Mike D's podcast, it's uh, a movie podcast. So it's a music movie we're doing, so both this will go on to both of the podcasts. Eddie's also here, too, to talk with us. This is great. Well, what happened was I was <laughs> listening to a Judd Apatow interview because he's promoting the King of Staten Island. Yeah. And he did that movie... And he was talking about movies that he did that didn't do so well. 
as far as making a bunch of money. And he yeah. said, hey, I loved Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. And I thought, I'd never seen that before. So I hit Mike up and I said, hey, you want to do a podcast on both of our podcasts? Well, since it's music, I'll review it. And you, blah, blah, blah. Here we are. We're all Had here. Mike seen it? I'd seen it when it first came out. Okay. Yeah, I had to rewatch it. What was your thought of it before you went into it? The, the second time, did you remember liking it or no? I remember liking it and thinking it was funny, but I think I had kind of had a different outlook on it this time around. Well, so it's a music parody movie. Mm-hmm. It's parodying two things. One, these biopics and music. It's a whole movie parody, parodying how biopics are made. And then two, Walk the Line, Johnny Cash. It's yeah. like two parodies happening at the same time. So if you haven't seen it, first let's say if we liked it or not. I thought it was really funny because I'd seen all the movies it was parodying, which is Ray, which is the drug stuff. A lot, a lot was a lot of the Ray stuff. Yes. they're like, Ray, you don't want the heroin. Yes. <laughs> and and then Dewey Cox, <laughs> yeah, he walks in the first time and, and he's young and they're he's smoking they're smoking weed. Yeah. And, and uh, Tim uh, Tim Meadows Tim Meadows Tim is Meadows. like, man, you don't want this weed. Walk away, Dewey. And Dewey's like, <laughs> Dewey's like, what's weed? And he's like, well. Makes you feel good. <laughs> and he's like, yeah? He goes, and it's not addictive at all. And he goes, really? huh, really? And he goes, yeah, and it's actually not that expensive either, Dewey. <laughs> but he said, we want don't it. want any you of this. You don't want it, though. And so, and that was a recurring thing, too, where the drugs got bigger and harder every time. And it was like. Because that's kind of what Johnny Cash happened, like, in Walk the Line. You know, he'd walk in, they'd be doing drugs. Like, oh, let me try some of that. Um, it, you know, the, the funny part of it, too, was. You know, because a lot of these, even uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which happened way after the fact, mm-hmm. Queen just goes boom, 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 and they're superstars yeah. in the movie. Because you, you don't have four, five, six, seven hours to do the actual Queen biopic. But in Walk Hard, Dewey, who um, is trying to make music, he starts playing. And this first song he ever plays at a school talent show, the kids just get up and start dancing like five <laughs> seconds into the first song. And then a big riot erupts. Like, that music, the priest is up going, that's <laughs> devil, devil music. <laughs> so... You know, I thought the whole theme up was pretty funny. I would, I, I would give it three and a half out of five guitars. Okay, you? I the second time around, I gave it four. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, listen, man, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I'd give it four and a half out of five because I, I remember loving it so much. I wonder if John C. Riley was the person that they wanted to do that movie originally, because I could see Will Ferrell doing that movie. Totally. You know, in a lot of movies. They don't get the main guy if they didn't write it for the main guy or if the main guy didn't write it. Yeah. So I thought John C. Riley was awesome in it. I think he was really singing, too. Yeah, that's really him. Yeah, because yeah. it sounded like his voice. <laughs> that's actually his voice, yeah. It starts off, and John C. Riley's a kid, and his little brother is there, too. Yeah, yeah. And this is very Johnny Cashy because Johnny Cash's little brother died. That's correct. His brother died. Same storyline. He was a kid. Mm-hmm. And... John C. Riley accidentally cuts him in half with a machete because they're having a, a fun <laughs> yes. machete. But they're doing all these things where they should die at the beginning of it, and they get out of it unscathed. And then they're having a machete fight at the end, and they're, the covers are on, uh. a little sword fight, and then he cuts his brother in half. Yeah. And, so, and, and then didn't he do like a blues song like, I, I cut, cut my, my brother. brother. <laughs> well, he goes over to the, it's fresh to me, I just saw it. He goes over yeah. to the, uh, where the blue, he goes to the, like the gas station, like the general store, uh-huh. and there's a blues guy over there playing in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm curious about that music. And the guy goes, you don't live a life yet to, to have the blues. And so he takes the guitar and he goes, well, I know I never play guitar, but I, and then all of a sudden he's, it's a, he hits one chord and it's terrible. And the guy goes, well, do your, fin- do your finger like this. So he puts his finger down and he goes. And, and Dewey's like a kid, right? At this yeah, yeah, he's like six. Okay. And then he starts singing a perfectly played blues song. And he's like, I think I got it. Well, I got the blues. I killed my brother. It's pretty good for your first time. Yeah. <laughs> So, and the whole story is him trying to, not avenge his brother's death, but he told his brother before he died he would try to be a lot because his brother was super talented as a kid. Yeah. Um, And so then you follow Dewey, but except for the tiny first part kid, John C. Riley's playing every age of the kid. Yeah. From like 15. (laughs) They just dress him differently. Yeah, they just dress him, but he says his age outwardly. He goes, well, I'm only 15. (laughs) Even though he's an adult man. That's so funny to me. The funny, if you're way inside, I could see where this movie would be hilarious. I was laughing out loud in a lot of parts. Yeah. Caitlin, my girlfriend, did not love it. She thought it was okay. Maybe below okay because it, she... How many times did she say, this is stupid? Um, I don't think she would want to take away my joy. So at the end when it was over, she was like, eh, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but I don't think that she, you know, she d- doesn't work in music. She's not mm-hmm. a big Johnny Cash fan. She hasn't seen all those biopics. So it wasn't really meant for her. Um, what was your favorite part of the movie, Mike? 
Uh, I I really thought the Bob Dylan parody stuff was pretty funny when he like starts changing his style and starts doing Bob Dylan. He's like, maybe Bob Dylan sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, he goes to a press conference because he's trying to find out who he is as an artist. And they yeah. go to a press conference and they're they're like, hey man, what do, what do you say to people to say you sound like Bob Dylan? He goes. What do you say to Bob Dylan when he says he sounds like me? And then, cut, <laughs> and then it cuts to him and he's doing a terrible Bob Dylan impression of like Ed Sullivan. Like weird, obscure references yeah. to things. And he's like the three-eyed monkey. And he sounds like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Don't look out the toaster. Uh, yeah, so that's dumb. I love it. Eddie, how long ago did you watch that movie? When it first came out? I remember, I'm such a Pearl Jam fan, and I remember that- Eddie Vedder's in it. Yeah, he's, that, in it. That, he's in it. So that's why I was like, oh, well, I have to watch this. And so, I mean, I watched it when it came out, but- the part that always comes up that I remember is the drug scene. I'm just like, it starts with weed and then cocaine and all. It's like, you don't want this, do we? <laughs> At the end, they're, they're, what are they taking at the very, very end? He goes, no, I'm not going to. He goes, Viagra, acid? Isn't it? What is it? Viagra, oh. isn't it? Oh, Viagra, because he's old. <laughs> and he goes, you know, no temptations for me. And he walks out, and the temptations are literally singing in the, in the hallway. And they're like, I guess you. And he's like, no. <laughs> the temptations. But the the other recurring thing is he always grabs sinks and oh right 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 he pulls the sinks them out off and slams it down. Right. Um, Did Johnny Cash do that in I Walk the Line? I think that's why they do that, yeah, right? I don't know. Yeah, he does do that. He I does think they do, do that. that joke over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every bathroom he goes into, he gets mad and just rips the sink off the wall. And then don't they do the like uh, the. What's he doing? He's like he takes that time to be quiet with his hands up against the yeah. wall. At the very beginning, it yeah. starts and ends like that's that. right. That's like right. Before he plays the show, he has to think about his entire life. <laughs> They're like, "Mr. Cash, one minute," and the guy goes, "I oh, get him a second. He has to think about a life here." And that's how the whole movie starts, and it starts beginning all the way up to that moment. Before every show, he's thinking about his whole life. <laughs> so do, and it's even funny. funnier talking about because you think about the great comedies. Of our day, it's funnier the second, third, and fourth time because you can laugh about all the funny things with your friends. Yeah, and it's probably I'd probably watch it again now and think it was even funnier mm -hmm. because I would catch things. Um, Kristen Wiig is in it playing his wife. Yeah, yeah. playing Johnny Cash's first wife. Basically, mm -hmm. they had all the kids, um, and then Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam on The Office, ends up being the, June. The June Carter. I don't think that was her singing though. I don't think so. No, because that person had a really great voice, like a real, and it sounded a little different than than Jenna Fisher. Um, Eddie, what was your favorite part of the movie that you can remember? Oh, you said the drugs? The drugs, yes. Mike, sure. yours was the Bob Dylan? Yeah. My favorite part of the movie. There were just so many parts that I would like, because she would fall asleep, and I would be laughing, my body would be shaking. <laughs> um, When he was trying to make the perfect song, and he had hired people from every country. Oh, yeah. It's, it sounded like five songs at once being made in the recording studio. It's like the 70s. He's trying to make the perfect anthem for his life. <laughs> And it's like Aborigines, it's like surfers, it's like a goat is doing an <laughs> instrument. He's like, I'm trying to make the perfect song. He's spending all this money and he can't make the perfect song. That to me is funny because that's every artist before they get old but after they've been young. That's right, trying to change it up. Trying to change it and find that right thing to get them yeah. back on the map because they're not all the way off. He's like, I think this goat is, has more vocals on this song than I do. Yeah, the band. <laughs> and he goes back to reunite the band at the end. Um, then they go, and because he's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. Which is why they all get back together, mm. um, and so he get uh, the part where I laughed out loud maybe the most was at the very end because he's playing, and then this, the crowd loves the song. His manager dies in the middle of the song, <laughs> and then is back as a ghost on side stage with his, uh, his dad and his brother. <laughs> the, the, the manager like, is? he dies and comes back to, as a ghost that quick. He you see him go, oh, he died, and all of a sudden he's like, what the crap? And he's on side stage as a ghost. <laughs> That was funny, and then Johnny Cat, or sorry, uh, Dewey, uh, Cox Dewey Cox does his song at the Lifetime Achievement Award and plays it, and the crowd loves it, and he's like, "This is what life's about." Boom, 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 and then on the bottom of the screen, it freezes and goes, "Dewey Cox died three minutes later." <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny, man. It was, and then talking about it, it's, yeah. it's even funnier to me. Did he hang out with the Beatles at one point? I'm trying to yeah, think. Yeah, so mm -hmm. here, Elvis. First of all, oh right, Elvis. Elvis was coming off the stage, and like Elvis, like kept karate chopping him. Hey man, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was a side stage funny part. He didn't like that. Another part was when they were coming off side stage, him and his guitar player, he was like, hey, man, let's tr let's trade girls tonight. I'm going to take that one. Dewey did. And he goes, but this is my wife. He goes, yeah, like I said. And he takes his wife. <laughs> so that happened. But then the Beatles, they're in India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went like on one of those trips with them. And it was him and his band. And the Beatles are played by, if I can remember this right. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. Yep. Is he one yep, of them? He is. Uh, hold on. Let me think here. Paul Rudd yep. is one of the Beatles. 
Jason Jason Schwartzman. Uh-huh. Um Jack Black played Paul McCartney. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Paul Rudd played John Lennon. Jason Schwartzman and I'm forgetting they're all known actors. Who's yeah. the other one? Justin Long. Oh, Justin Long, that's right. And then Jack White was Elvis. Oh, Jack White was Elvis. Oh, I didn't catch that's that. That's right. Yeah. Hey, I didn't catch that. Oh, wow. Well, you know, if I'm gonna bump mine from three and a half to three and three quarters. That's what I'm talking <laughs> just about. Just on the conversation, because I'm I'm laughing now thinking about it. And if we talked about it again, you'd probably bump it up another half. Probably. I'd probably watch it again and think it was even funnier. When he's buying all the, the animals, he's buy you know, he buys a giraffe. I don't remember this. Well, he brings it. He gets a giraffe from playing at like the zoo as a gift, and so he's like, "I don't want five thousand dollars." I said, "How much for that giraffe?" <laughs> <laughs> the giraffe's eating. They have a, a giraffe. They have a monkey because they're doing custody, yeah. and all he wants is the monkey. Yeah, when she leaves, he's like, uh, "You can take the children, but leave my monkey." <laughs> <laughs> oh, when they get a divorce. Here's the funniest yeah. part. Here's, I forgot the funniest part to me. At the end, he's old, as in out of um, prime. He's probably mm-hmm. f- fifty or so. And he's sitting there and he's Musically, broken. he's a has-been. He's broken everything in his house. Like he's turned over the piano. <laughs> he's, t- he's smashed all the sinks, all oh, the yeah. instruments he's broken. And a kid comes up and goes, hey, Dad. Because he's got a bunch of kids. He goes, can we have a catch? And he's like, man, I, I think I'd really like to have a catch right now. And he goes, great, Dad. And he goes, but if you don't mind me asking, I hope this isn't inappropriate. What's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I'm Dewey Cox Jr. They call me. So, uh... It's it was funny. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. It, it had small parts of really funny, and a string of pretty funny. Yeah, you're right. And and now thinking back at it, I didn't realize that they were making fun of a bunch of different parodies or bi- biopics. And just how they work. Yes, yes. Because they have to the, speed to things. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, he's play-, and he's into one note of the song, and the kids are like, this is the greatest song, and they're right, all just like right, dancing. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Dewey Cox, Walk Hard. Was good. Uh, I would watch Walk the Line first. Yeah, for sure. To get some reference, yes. Yeah. Where does this rank on like your favorite parody movies? Because it's kind of a weird genre. I don't know another parody movie. Like well, scary movie, Spinal Tap, right? not another teen movie, stuff like that. Because I mean, there, there was like a whole series of them oh, probably yeah, around yeah, when, yeah. when the time this movie came out. I think it's kind of why it didn't do so well mm. is because a bunch of parody movies were like trying to be like all trying to be like scary movie. Scary like, movie was a parody of what Scream? Of Scream, and then they came okay. out with like a parody of like Twilight and epic movies and all Never that. Never saw any of those strings. And it's mm-hmm. like neither. You're trying to make fun of them, but you're also trying to in kind of return making a bad movie. Essentially, I think oh. that's why it's hard for them to be successful sometimes. The best has to be Spaceballs, right? Don't remember it, but it was a parody. I mean, I remember a scene where they're having a sword fight, tomb, tomb, and they're holding about their crotch. With I, those, see yeah, I see yours. It's as, as big as mine. mine. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. What about airplane. Airplane. Airplane's good. Never yeah. Never saw it. I never saw any. I. I maybe this. Do we cons- I don't consider Spinal Tap though a parody of movies. No, I consider it a parody not. of the music at the time. Yeah. Which is another great one. So, Mike, number one. That's what's my number one. Okay. Your favorite parody movie. My favorite one. Just because you don't watch a lot of them. We should do like one of these a month. And review a music movie. Yeah. And like, but we just gave the like, right? There, there are spoilers. We but the movie, the, the movie's movie. pretty old. Is but it? no, no, no. But the, the whole point of it is that we're not going to try to get you to go watch it. We're right. just kind of talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch it on Netflix. It's, yeah, that's it's where I watch Netflix? it. It's on Netflix mm-hmm. now. I saw also, is Rocket Man on Netflix or something now? I, th- I think it's on Amazon now. On Amazon for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, 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 if you have Amazon Prime, but I've never seen it. So uh, that's definitely on my list. I is it watch worth it? Pop Star. I haven't seen it. Pop Star is another one of those they say oh, is yeah. really good that didn't get the love it should have got then, but has become a cult classic. It's Lonely Island, and it's basically a parody of Justin Bieber's life. Oh, didn't know that. It's supposed to be funny? I think so. I'll Google. But John C. Riley, I was looking up movies from him real quick. Because he's really funny, but he's also done serious stuff. Right? Yeah, he's done a bunch of serious stuff. The first time I ever saw him was Days of Thunder. What was it? What was it? I saw he was in that. He was like, I think, in, in Cold Trickle's Pit team. Step Brothers, amazing. Yeah, it's good. For him. Raunchy, though. Did you ever see Sta- Step Brother? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's raunchy, movie. dude. Uh, Stan and Ollie was great with John C. Riley. Never saw that. Laurel and Hardy is what it's about. It's sad, and it's about their story, their life story. It's like mm-hmm. a biopic of um, Laurel and Hardy. Okay. Um, De- Talladega Nights, obviously. Shake and Bake. Never saw that. You never saw Talladega no, Nights? Should I put that Talladega list? Nights? No. All right, I'll write wow. That down. Uh, Walk Hard, obviously. Wreck It Ralph. Was he Ralph in Wreck It Ralph? Yeah, he's Wreck It yes, Ralph. He's Ra- yeah. Hmm. Man, he's in some big movies. Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know what he was in that. It's a side character. Chicago. 
The Bo- musical? But Bo- yeah, the movie, <laughs> the musical, Boogie Nights, The Perfect Storm, uh, Days of Thunder, Magnolia. He's but he's done a bunch of stuff that's just not straight ahead comedy. But Never Been Kissed, Aviator, The Promotion. Do you know any of these movies? Uh, Aviator, yeah. Uh, Aviator, yeah. And then Hoffa? Perfect Storm was good. Hoffa, yeah. Jimmy Hoffa. Dang, he's been in a bunch of freaking movies. But he's not a lead. I mean, he wasn't a lead for a long this time. This was his first lead. Oh, it was? Yeah. Walk Hard was? Yeah, this was his first one. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was great. I thought he was great, didn't it? All right. Uh, well, we just did 15 minutes talking about a movie. And What's the one. next one? I don't and, know. And it's cool if we, we pick we one. Could do, we don't have to do one a month, but I'm, I'm going to watch Pop Star. Yeah, okay. I'll write that down, too. Just in the next week or two weeks or so. Well, <clears throat> just like, just. Come to me. Let me know if you finished it, and we'll, when we've all finished it, we'll talk all right. about it. And you haven't seen Rocket Man either, right? Mm-mm. All right. Oh, that's interesting. You had to watch Rocket Man. I just let's see. Pop star. Pop star. Pop star movie says never stop stopping. <laughs> okay. All right. It's got seventy nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Childhood friends Connor. Owen and Lawrence found fame and fortune after forming the hip-hop group The Style Boys. Owen and Lawrence faded in the background when frontman Connor left the band to launch a successful solo career. Now the egotistical singer decides to film a documentary about his life when he's still on top. When his second album flops, the cameras are to capture his whole world crashing down. Andy Samberg's lead. That looks like it could be pretty funny. Yeah, it does look funny. It sounds funny. It lost money. But Lonely Island's funny to me. And that, and it is unofficially like Justin Bieber? I don't know. I guess it could be all of them. Yeah. I think Bieber was blowing up at this time. So You know which one I thought was really good? It came out a while back, but Jersey Boys? Have you ever, did you ever watch Jersey Boys? I saw the play. Yeah, the movie's really good, too. Frankie Valli? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. I saw, the, I saw it. Um, um, not, it's, it was a Broadway play, but I saw it in Las Vegas. Is that good? Like plays like it that? It's great. Really? It's live. it's live and you know all the songs. Ooh-wee. Yeah, that's what makes the movie really good, too. All right, that's it. Um, hope you enjoyed this. Probably didn't, but... infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring a performance by john batiste the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 is an suv designed to help every passenger feel just right be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.